Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining A Crazy Dream for another episode where we discuss healing, holistic wellness, and taking your dream and making it a reality. So on today's call, we have Yasmin Teresa with us. She is a doula who is focused on her purpose. She is using her gift to help people. She is a techpreneur, and she is on a journey, as are we. So today we wanted to share her experience and her story. So Yasmin Teresa, thanks for getting on the call with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I wanted to first say welcome back. You know, you were out of the country for a little bit. I was wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about your experience and your travels. Oh, of course. Yes, I was actually in West Africa. I was visiting Ghana. and Sorry about that. I was visiting Ghana, and I wanted to go out there primarily to kind of just learn more about the culture and understand a little bit more. Uh, about where my ancestors have came from. I'm Afro-Dominican, and I'm still in the journey of uh, figuring out exactly where my ancestors came from. So it was very important for me to go out there and visit West Africa. And also I took it upon myself to see what it's like out there, the maternity industry and the business over there of birthing. And I wanted to collect data to uh, add midwives to the app that I recently developed which is called EBOP, uh, it's spelled I-B-I-O-P, and it's pretty much a directory of doulas, midwives, OBGYNs, breastfeeding consultants, and more uh, all over the world so that women who are pregnant or women who want to enter the field have access to these birth workers from anywhere in the world, all through an app. So it's been a journey. It was beautiful. I definitely recommend everybody to visit West Africa, any country, at any time in their life, it is definitely worth it. I love that. So I love that you are embracing your culture and your history and that you're actually researching this, you know, and taking it a step further by actually making a trip. Because a lot of us think of Africa, and in our minds we have this vision, you know, and I think in a lot of ways it sometimes is a deterrent, you know, to get us to not want to go back to Africa. So uh, you talked about going to West Africa, and you know, I wanted to also talk about like the meaning of your app's name. What does EBOP mean? Yeah, EBOP means um, birth options. So the word EB in the Yoruba language is translated into birth, and OP means it's like the abbreviation for options. So EBOP, birth options. Yeah. Birth options, great. So I wanted to, like, learn a little more about how you got into this field because, you know, I've talked to people about, you know, the doula field, and everyone has a really interesting story. And, you know, I want you to share what got you interested in this. Oh, my gosh. Well, I pretty much got started when I was probably around 12 years old <laughs> without really realizing that being a doula was something real or something that is now a career. Uh, Being a doula is pretty much being a servant. Uh, The word doula stems from the Greek word. Well, it's a Greek word, and the meaning of it is a servant. But we've been doing this from generations and generations since humanity started, right? Since 
mm-hmm. the beginning of humankind when women would give birth. It was a celebration of women that would come together and assist the woman while she's laboring or even throughout her whole, her whole pregnancy. And so now um, at 12 years old, I found myself being in junior high school, having friends around me become pregnant and me not being necessarily okay with the fact that they weren't getting the support that they needed, you know, getting the, the attention that they needed probably from their, their colleagues in school or just their community. So I took it upon myself to do research for them and find out uh, options that they had in the community to get that kind of support that they needed to have a better, um, maybe a better situation than feeling isolated as young teenage moms. And uh, when I went to college for fashion design at 17 years old, it took me less than a year to figure out that that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing, that I was supposed to be in a field that was helping uh, people. And on top of that, I needed something to help me feel that there was a purpose for me to be alive. And I found that after watching The Business of Being Born, a documentary uh, by Ricky Lake and um, another producer named Abby Epstein, they created this documentary that kind of focused on the business of being born here in America and just a lot of the disparities that women face, uh, not having enough, not, not that they didn't have enough options, but not being told that they had options on how to birth based on their cultural beliefs or their, you know, their own personas and what they wanted. And I found out what a doula was when I saw Ricky Lake herself become a doula to the other producer when she got pregnant throughout the filming of the of the documentary, and I saw how important it is for a woman to have that sister support. You know, a doula would be a sister to that lady that's pregnant and really just provide her with everything that she might need educationally when it comes to being pregnant, just being, getting prepared for the baby to come, um, helping the family get acclimated once the baby is born, uh, helping her emotionally if she has questions that maybe uh, the doctors can't answer because the doctors are too busy, the doula always steps in and does that. You know, if a lot of times women have questions as silly as, can we have sex while I'm pregnant, you know, or um, how important is it to breastfeed the baby, and all these things that women are probably ashamed to ask or they just, it's too taboo in their culture. They just don't, they don't feel safe, you know, to ask maybe their providers or even their families. So a doula steps in as a sister with no judgment and tools in her tool belt ready to provide that support for mom and for her family. Uh, Yeah, so that's pretty much where I made the decision of, like, wow, this is a career that now people are choosing, but this is also an ancient practice that my ancestors have done forever out of love and out of the need to support and uh, keep unity in, in our communities and family. I realized I can start this career as a doula, and then transition into becoming a midwife, gain my experience as a doula, uh, observe births and support families through their births, and then uh, transition into becoming a midwife. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. I love that you're taking your interest, you know, and combining that with a way to actually live your life. You know, it's like true harmony and authenticity. You know, it's like an expression of love. So some you brought up some really interesting questions because I have never been pregnant, at least not to my knowledge, and I don't have any <laughs> and I don't have any children. <laughs> and I don't have any children. 
So there are some things that I have wondered about, and you actually brought a few of those up. So I know that people listening might be wondering those same things. So I have, you know, I want you to answer these two questions for me, and we can go on. So how safe is it to have sex when you're pregnant? And <laughs> actually, let's just start there. Let's start with that question. Could you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is extremely safe to um, to have sex when you're pregnant. However, I would always, I am not a medical professional yet, so I would always advise uh, a client of mine or anybody to just make sure with your medical provider, whether that is your OBGYN or if you have a midwife who does the same work, <laughs> you know, ask them always if it's okay because, you know, you never know what's happening down there as as far as the way you um, are created, the way you've been born. The Everybody's uterus is different. Everybody's function down there is different. So if you have maybe a high-risk pregnancy, uh, sometimes women have, like, short service, cervix, uh, C-E-R-V-I-X, a cervix, right? It's the, the little canal after the, the tunnel where the penis is, you know, and those women tend to kind of have to be on bed rest more because there's a high risk where the, the baby could kind of come down too low uh, before it's supposed to, before it's born. So there's certain things you want to just kind of be aware of before you jump into any kind of physical activity when you're pregnant even though it, for the most part, it's usually always very safe. But when it comes to love making, this is the way you created the baby. So it's almost imperative that you keep that intimacy alive while you're pregnant. And um, it's funny, but even during birth. I've heard stories where women have had, um, have made love, like when they started to labor, uh, before they, well, in the first stages of labor, where it's just kind of like you get those contractions maybe every three, four hours or um, maybe every six hours. I've heard stories where people make love, and then the next day they, uh, they, they open up more in, in, in centimeters and then they, their baby comes quicker, you know, because there's something in the semen of the man that actually lubricates the woman's uh, vagina and it helps it open up for the baby to come out when she's in labor. So it just shows you that intimacy is so much more important than we think when it comes to being pregnant and during labor. That's why we're very big as midwives and doulas. We're very big on supporting women who want to stay close to their partner during labor and who want the assistance of their partner during labor, like, like kissing each other during labor, massaging each other, or even rubbing the nipples, you know, uh, so to help progress her labor or help her um, through the labor through physical touch and physical comfort. So it's completely safe for the most part. You always just want to make sure it will be adopted, but it is safe, and it's almost um, important that you still have that uh, intimacy with each other because the baby feels that. The baby feels that mom and dad are still in love and they're still excited about each other it's all energy yeah i love that you talk about that because some people don't know but when you even orgasm you know you release those feel-good chemicals so mm-hmm. like she just said ladies and gentlemen you do not have to stay away from each other you know right. <laughs> please don't <laughs> yes yes still show that love still have that intimate connection and um, my next question was what are some of the ancestral practices or remnants that you could tell us about that we still see in, you know, the birthing process or in, you know, early motherhood or birthing today? 
Yeah, uh, one of the things I definitely still see being used today and now being a trend today is uh, the rebozo method. The rebozo method is, um, I believe, it's South American. It's a South American tradition. But, I mean, let's be real, it's probably been used in other places, just a different name. It's a 12-foot-long uh, cloth that is used for many reasons, especially when the woman is laboring. The midwives, the doulas, and even the, the partner usually use this 12-foot-long uh, cloth to help comfort the mother while she's going through her, con- now her contractions. I like to call them rushes, her energies. <laughs> Um, while she's going through her rushes, um, allowing the baby to come down through the birth canal. And um, you pretty much hold the mom's belly up. Maybe if she's, like, on the floor on all fours and she's just kind of, like, zoning in and out, you know, being in tune with this extreme energy in her body and going through these flows. You put the, the cloth under her belly and you stand over her maybe with your like straddling over her and holding this cloth and swinging, swinging the cloth like almost um, left to right, but in support of her belly. So it's kind of taking off some of the pressure of, of the baby in her belly and kind of just elevating her a little bit. So every time she goes through these rushes, she's able to not only feel the support um, physically, but just having somebody there almost going through the process with her uh, makes a difference for her, you know. Uh, One of the other things is that that same cloth a lot of times is then used um, to help a mother get her body back snatched. To be honest, they actually have a little method that they call belly binding, and they use sometimes the rebozal cloth to bind the mom's belly uh, maybe, I guess, like a few weeks or days after the baby is born to kind of uh, tie up her belly, a belly bind her, and it would bring, the action of it is kind of like the action of a corset, but it would bring her organs back to its place. It would bring that support back to, you, you know, her stomach, and she's able to kind of like not only bring her little shape back uh, uh, that she might have once had, not that that's what we're aiming for, because everything's going to be turning real okay with that, but just to kind of help the organs facilitate them to get back into their place. Because a lot of things move and change when you have your baby. There's, you know, big balloon in there during those nine months. So, and then that same uh, cloth is used to baby carry. Uh, baby wearing is very, very important. It is done all over the world. It is also done here in the U.S., but we don't see it with a cloth. A lot of times we use these modern little baby carriers that have, like, clips on and stuff. So, Actually, the best way to do it is to use the cloth, whether it's a rebozo cloth or it's any kind of baby-wearing cloth where you um, wrap your baby up and, and, and hold it on your chest using this cloth. And it promotes breastfeeding. It, um, it promotes the, uh, the skin-to-skin, which is the baby always touching mom's skin or just being close to her warmth. And it could also be used for the other partner or any family member at that. But a lot of times we grow up in our culture just putting the baby down, let the baby cry, uh, you know, don't hold the baby too much because it's going to be spoiled. No, that's not normal for a human being that just left their womb, you know, this comfortable place of mom, of safety, of warmth for nine months. Now you're just going to put them in a crib and let them be there alone the first, you know, six weeks of life. Like, well, that's a little bit traumatic, you know, and, and that's just the reality of it. There's uh, a lot of... Um, 
scientific research that's been done that babies that are held more after birth, especially through the use of skin-to-skin or being wrapped on mom, uh, there's a lot more of better, um, how can I put this, like the baby develops quicker, the baby develops better, the brain function is better, the baby is wanting to be um, breastfed more often, and the mom learns the rhythm of the baby, so it's kind of easier for the mom to not get impatient when the baby needs to breastfeed, you know, because she's already building that bond with the baby, and also it helps the mother's mood because if, if you didn't know, like a lot of times um, when you smell a baby, there's something in the baby that actually alters our mood as humans, like they're like a, a pick-me-upper. So uh, even having the baby on top of their chest every time, it helps the mom um, have a lower risk of postpartum depression. So it's, it's super, this rebozo thing like can be transformed into so many different things, just this old method. And, yeah, we, we use it. And doulas are, are more so to train parents to ho- on how to use it. Yeah. I love it, the rebozo method. So I'm listening to you talk, and... When you were talking, that's exactly what I started thinking was postpartum depression because mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, yeah, because a lot of women are experiencing this. And listening to you, you know, I've looked a lot into uh, breastfeeding because they talk about eye contact and, like you said, the smell of the baby, the feel of the baby, that intimacy. You know, could you talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit? Yeah, like, you know, and I've listened to formulas also, and a lot of these formulas have these chemicals in them. Could you talk to us oh, yeah. about them? You know, so... Could you talk to us about the importance of breastfeeding and how breastfeeding helps the baby and its development? Yeah, I am I'm huge on breastfeeding. Um, it is so important now because they're finally making it a point for us here, especially like in New York. In New York, they just passed a law starting in January where it's finally acceptable and okay for women to breastfeed openly anywhere in public without being, like, chained or kicked out of a restaurant um, or asked to cover up. You know, and it's like, wow, we're, at, we're about to be at 2017, and that just became normalized in a city like New York where there's babies everywhere. You know, we're overpopulated. You know, and it, it, it's sad. Um, but the act of breastfeeding, I mean, we're giving this body, these boobs, to pretty much provide life for uh, our new babies to pretty much provide life for probably the first five years of of life for a human. And I say that because human beings produce a hormone called lactate up until the age of five years old. And after that, they're not producing this hormone called lactate. So they are incapable necessarily um, to break down the, the chemicals or just to break down milk. And by milk, I mean mom's milk, human milk, their own mammal's milk, right? They're incapable of doing that. So it just shows you right there that perhaps there's a reason why a mom should breastfeed past six months. You know, and that, that being said, that's up to you if you want to do it for a year only or, or whatnot, if you want to maybe just do the breast pump and provide that milk for the baby up until four years without putting the baby on, on the boob, but we are only able to uh, break down this milk up until the age of five, and then we're supposed to find our calcium somewhere else, not through another animal, but somewhere else, like greens. And um, that that just shows you because 
when we eat certain uh, animal products, like certain milks from different animals, a lot of, of us tend to be lactose intolerant or tend to get sick or have a bunch of allergies, eczema, and all these things that we kind of don't ever really put together the dots. So for me, breastfeeding is so important because your body is almost like created to breastfeed a baby, and um, it is proven that a baby functions better when it's breastfed uh, versus when they're given formula, a baby tends to get sick quicker, they tend to break out in the skin quicker, they tend to have a lot more allergies. A lot of my clients, and I, I always love asking them, you know, I visit them maybe like a year after baby's born or whatever, even though I see them like maybe every trimester, like every three months or whatever, but after a year of seeing some of my clients, I'm like, okay, we live in New York, we have four seasons. A lot of times as soon as the winter season comes, everybody's getting sick. And to hear that these babies who've been breastfed do not get sick for the most part, it, it should tell us something. You know, there's so many probiotics in breast milk. There's so many good um, minerals, vitamins, nutrients. Everything that a baby needs to develop successfully is in breast milk. And, and this has been proven between the difference of a baby who's taking breast milk and a baby who's doing um, the formula. Formula milk is synthetic milk. It's something created in a lab. It's something replicated from breast milk, and it's not the best. I always tell women if they want to breast, uh, breastfeed so bad, but they maybe can't because maybe they've had cancer or maybe they've had breast surgery or for whatever the reason is, sometimes women have, like, inverted nipples. Or I always say see a breastfeeding consultant, a specialist. They would definitely walk you through the process and help you try different methods to get your baby to breastfeed. Sometimes the baby might be born with a tongue tie, which just requires a small, minimal surgery for the baby to have, um, like, the complete function of his mouth to suck the mom's boob. Um, or a woman can actually reach out to her community, which is out there. Women do donate their breast milk. So if you ever want, you know, organic human breast milk, it is out there for you. I mean, it's all organic, but it is accessible for you. And women usually donate this for other women who cannot breastfeed. Look at this. I did not know that, you know. <laughs> so look at that. You can get your own, you know, milk, mm-hmm. USDA quality. <laughs> right, right, right. You... <laughs> You know, if you have that issue, like you said, you know, a lot of women probably think, oh, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, issues with my breast. I've had breast surgery. I've had, like you said, women have had cancer, and they're not sure that they can do this. Well, now you have another person that you can speak to and ask these questions. You know, now you have another person who looks at things maybe from a different view than the OBGYN or, you know, or that other person. Or like you said, they're a breastfeeding specialist. So you don't just have to go straight to formula when you're having issues, you know, explore your options first. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, a like lot you, of times right here, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a lot of times I hear women who become really depressed because they can't breastfeed. And it's funny, I just spoke to a father yesterday in a support group that I, I facilitated in the Leonard um, Library in Brooklyn, who they meet up every Thursday from 1230 to 2. I was subbing in for one of the doulas there to host this class, and a father came in there, you know, and he's like, listen, I, <clears throat> my wife is, is suffering, you know, and she's not like that. She's always been very happy and very bubbly. She's a light in this world. And she is almost at the breaking point. She's depressed because she can't seem to breastfeed, and the baby has dealt with a, 
a several amount of surgeries after birth because there were some complications. And he goes like, so when I hold the baby, the baby doesn't cry because I hold the baby real tight. I put a football grip on my baby and I, I nurture him in a way of like making him feel protected and calming him down. And I'm like, okay, so when your wife is breastfeeding, what is she doing differently? Like as far as holding him goes. And she goes like, she just, you know, she gets impatient. And I'm like, of course she does because she feels she can't do much for this baby that she created. That is heartbreaking on a woman. That's like telling a woman she don't know how to love, you know, and that's what we're born to do. You know, men as well, but we're the nurturers. So it's so hard on a woman who just created this life. And I told him to teach her how to hold the baby while she's breastfeeding him the way he holds him while he's calming the baby. And he was like, that is an amazing idea if I am able to um, maybe facilitate her holding the baby while she's breastfeeding. And I said, don't sit in front of your wife while, you, while she's breastfeeding so she won't feel judged. Sit behind her. Sit behind her. Maybe put your legs around her. And both of you hug the baby as if dad is hugging mom. Mom is holding the baby. And he's facilitating her arm on how to hold the baby while she's breastfeeding. And if she gets impatient or she feels like she's not doing well enough, at least she knows her husband has her back. You know, and it's, it's so important to <clears throat> to understand that women do go through this all the time, but there's just, there's, there's hope. There's hope in these different ways of understanding your baby and getting to know their personality in order to have a better relationship with them. Babies are not dolls. Babies are persons that we need to learn the same way we do when we're dating somebody. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it makes total sense. You know, even when you talked about earlier, you know, this exchange of energy, you know, the wording around pregnancy, you know, contractions, oh, it's like a, it's this extreme energy yeah, coming you through your body. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's this extreme like energy. Thing, like, no. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, the verbiage, you know, it's like the words, you know, it's the importance of understanding words and what they mean and how we use them because when we look at it differently, like when you said that to me, it's like because I thought about it and I felt you know, like, oh, my gosh, like, this little person is inside of you, like, and it's, like, amazing to me, and people are, like, why are you being so extra, and I'm, like, no, like, do you understand that this person hears everything, they feel your energy, that it's, like, they feel your stress, they feel when you're happy, they feel when you feel safe, they, when you oh, stress, they you everything. release, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when you stress, you release cortisol, like, they feel that, too, like, they feel all of that with you, and then when you actually give birth, they're literally coming through your body, like they're being released out of your body, like your body is strong enough to do that. It's like you said, energy. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yes. So I'm so happy that we were able to have this conversation. Yes, and Teresa, it's been great. Can you please tell our listeners where to find you? Yeah, of course. So um, thank you for having me. I definitely look forward to working with you more in the future. I can be found on my website is www.ythegarcia.com. That's Y-T-H-E-G-A-R-C-I-A.com. You could also download my app on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. The app is called EBOP. That's I-B-I-O-P. Download it now. And let me know what you guys think. Leave a review. And also, I'm a doula as well, so if you guys want to reach out to me as a doula, go to my website. There's links. My Instagram is all there, Facebook, and Twitter, Why the Garcia. Thank you so much. So we are rounding out the end of this call. 
Uh, this is another episode of A Crazy Dream. Like Yasmin Teresa said, please go download her app, EBOP, I-B-I-O-P. It's in the app store. Get it in your phone. You can find your OBGYN on here as well, ladies. So you can look for options. You can start preparing now if you're going to be thinking about having a child in the near future. So go and check her out. And you can find us at frommothersgarden.com and join us for another episode of A Crazy Dream. Take care. Thank you.